The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a special guest, Mario Magazine's Victorian correspondent. Welcome to the show, the engaged one, Jason Health. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, so some, somebody decided to marry that. Yeah, I generally do not know how that happened. Um, <laughs> miracles can happen, all right? Uh, it's like wrestling. Anything can happen. Literally, the boyhood dream has come true, and that's all I could think of when she said that. I'm like, yeah, some idiot has agreed to marry this dickhead. So yep. weird things can happen. Uh, so, yeah, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to check out ROH Supercard of Honor 2023. It's the first pay-per-view of this new like new era of Ring of Honor where they've actually got TV to build up these storylines and things. I would say this is the proper first kickoff of Ring of Honor as its own thing, not just AEW's little side project. So, yeah, start of a new era. The first like pay-per-view that they're not just like keeping this company alive and in the minds. This is like, no, we've relaunched and we're back 100% after doing four episodes worth of tapings in two days at Universal. Oh, was someone there for those? I was there for one of those days. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. I didn't get messages of 4 a.m. in the morning going, <laughs> look what I'm saying and you're not. They were very awesome days, apart from it being freezing cold in the Universal studio. Oh, we're going to talk about cold. Really, you want to talk about cold someone that just spent three weeks in the UK? I seen snow. Yeah. Okay, it snowed. I felt like it could have snowed in that studio. It was freezing and it, it ran way long. We were supposed to be out of there by 10 o'clock. We didn't leave there until 11.30. PM? Yeah. Did you at least go on the rocket ride afterwards? No. Gross. Why not? No. I don't like that. What is wrong no, with that you? No, that shit's mental. No, thank you. That is a great ride. Listen to Limp Biscuit rolling while you're going up at like this degree hill. No. What? No, thank you. I, okay, I kind of wish I could fly to Sydney and just slap you for that. <laughs> that is a just, I'm upset. Yeah, no thanks. But if you want to talk about cold, I dealt with cold weather, okay? Seriously, like when I seen the weather app say at 3 in the morning, it's freezing and it's snowing, I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> walk outside and you're like, oh, that's what this means. <laughs> yeah, I walk outside and I'm like, what the fuck is it? it? What is this white thing coming from the sky? It has been a fun three weeks. I'm still recovering. And then came back to Australia in 30 degrees and hot? Oh, coming back at like 11.30 at night, so I think I got back to my car at 2.30 in the morning. Me and my fiancé now, not my partner, not my girlfriend, fiancé, it's a very weird term of concept, <laughs> getting into the car and be like, this is hot, stripping off like five layers of clothes, being like, this is what we missed for three weeks. <laughs> at two in the morning. And then you're like, uh-oh, it's going to get real hot today. <laughs> yeah, at two in the morning, we're like, shorts and t-shirt. This is perfect. We're happy. Um, 
that was a very fun sort of thing of, oh yeah, it, it's hot. It it was fun. Tyler was, uh, my brother was teasing me the whole time going like, it's 30 degrees here. I'm cooking a barbecue. And I'm like, it's snowing here. Don't talk to me. Go away. Like I said, we're talking about the new era of Ring of Honor. Have you had a chance to check out any of the, like, the taped episodes or was this pay-per-view like your first introduction? This this was my first as I've been away for three weeks. I hadn't had a chance to watch them and with work and such, I kind of forgot that their shows were back on and like the Honor Club thing, but I had been, you know, you keep tabs on things on Twitter, you keep tabs on things on social media, Reddit. They tell what you need to know. I seen that L Aussie Princess Shazza made her debut. She did. And Aussie Open have absolutely been killing it, thanks to a certain Mr. Jamie App sending me <laughs> messages going, oh. <laughs> Aussie Open are here, and they're just constantly winning everything except for on this pay-per-view. And I'm like, I'm at work. Thanks for reminding me. Um, so I've had a very good touch on what's been going on, thanks to Mr. Jamie App's reminding me of things while he was at the tapings and saying that Shazza showed up at the recent tapings pre-Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So with this sort of refresh, we've seen sort of new belts introduced. What did you think of the new belt designs of the world title, tag title, women's and pure belt? Do you want to rehash the conversation we had about the pure belt? How I freaking love it so much. It's a WCW Cruiserweight belt, which I've always wanted for my collection. Mm-hmm. It is that in silver with the circle side plates. Absolutely love it. The men's one looks good. The women's one actually looks really good as well. Yeah, well, I liked the women's one. Like, it's it's just the belt that they had before, but silver. And, like, it just pops so much more in that silver and black. Yeah, definitely. Like, the silver, I absolutely love for the Ring of Honor belt. I literally have – and it's just weird when you see the TNT title. is still in gold. Oh, the, uh, the TV title. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the six-man belt looks like. They're silver and ugly. The TV title that Joe has is literally the only belt they have now that's gold. All the others are silver. My assumption is they did that to differentiate it from the other two singles titles. Oh, def- definitely. Like the original Ring of Honor belt has always been silver. So it's good that they've kept in that style, always kept to a different style and kept the same sort of look. Um, glad the women's belt looks exactly like the men's, which mm. is how it should be. Um, I just love the fact that the pure belt looks like the Cruiserweight title. That's just, you know, I absolutely love that. Yeah, I love how they've sort of, they're like retro feeling, but they're also modern and updated with the new designs. Yeah, exactly. Like the side plates are circular and round, which is very WWE-esque, very modern take. But the main plate is classic JMAR-styled belt. So I, I absolutely love the way they're going with their belts. Did you notice the uh, little tribute detail on the world title side plate? No, I did not know. So you know how on the ROH side plates they have like silhouettes of like classic moves and moments from Ring of Honor history? Yeah. One of the side plates now is Jay Briscoe hitting the Jay Driller on someone. When you said, did you catch the tribute? I'm like, it's going to be a Jay Briscoe tribute. And that is absolutely incredible um there's a lot of tributes throughout that show which Mm -hmm. as we go on with things i'll be like oh boy i'm not ready for this but yeah they they have handled that extremely well yeah i'm i'm glad that they are paying tribute to him in the utmost respect and then some of the other 
production elements for this show. What did you think of the sort of unique stage setup with the, the, the stage kind of angled in a little bit, but then you had the diamond-shaped actual stage with the, the old-school stairs, not a ramp? Loved it. Loved it. It, it was very much a pre, pre-COVID Ring of Honor show. Just with a lot more fans and a lot more talent on the show sort of things there. So absolutely love the stage. It was instantly when you sent me a photo of it, even though I told you, do not send me spoilers, please. <laughs> um, you sent me the photo and I'm like, this is incredible. I had to explain to my fiance why I was losing my shit over a photo of a stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was a good sort of like... So how long have we got here? 30 minutes, three hours? I could go for hours about this concept. So, no, I absolutely loved their, their stage. And I liked that they, they didn't incorporate those new barricades that they've been using for AEW as well. They went just with yeah. the, the old school steel barricades with the cloth covers. Yeah, exactly. They kept it like legit. You could have shown me this show and said this was a pre-COVID show. I would have believed you 100%. It felt like where Ring of Honor was on the up, you know, pre-everything, it felt exactly like that. And that was that was good to see. It just, you know what I mean? You weren't reminded every 30 seconds that... This is just AEW light. Yeah, it, it was nice. Like, I, I understand the jokes where people go, you've got Ring of Honor Tony Khan and AEW Tony Khan. Mm. Multi-personalities trying to clash with each other. Old mate is... Fighting himself for Booker of the Year at the moment. <laughs> That's legitimately where I was going. It's going to be Booker of the Year. It's going to be AEW uh, Tony Khan or Ring of Honor Tony Khan. It's going to be the winner of the, this year's... Uh... I hope they list him as two separate versions on uh, the Observer list or the Fightful list. That is what I'm hoping for. Cause... Top two places, Tony Khan, AEW, Tony Khan, ROH. Big gap, everyone else. Legitimately, it's like I have to create competition within myself. I really hope that's, yeah, that's how it ends at the end of the year. I'm looking forward to the end of the year results. And then we also had the, the announce desk, like down by ringside, which was classic ROH as well. And I love the, the graphics package they've come up with for the, the nameplates and everything for ROH as well. They, they're clean, but like. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not basic because they've got like that moving black background behind the text and stuff. It's like really cool. I like that everything felt like a more modernized, modern Ring of Honor sort of thing there. At least it wasn't a Cinema Crunch Presents <laughs> uh, match with those graphics that we seen earlier in the day. Oh, God. So much advertising. <laughs> I'm just saying, when are we cutting to break to talk about a, a Cinema Crunch? Because <laughs> I can go to the kitchen and get some if you want. My ob tax. <laughs> the TurboTax. <laughs> yes, for seeing someone dodgy, just go to TurboTax. Just quietly, if someone wants to pay me $22 million to advertise a tax program, I will do it. I don't think the guy that I see that's very questionable and what he gets away with um, has $22 million to pay for a sponsorship. Yeah, it's a tax write-off. He'll work it out. The things he's gotten me away with, yes. <laughs> I better shut up. So then the other big talking point coming out of this pay-per-view is kind of a very sad moment the injury to dante martin so we've got to shout out to him and wish him a speedy and easy recovery which i am very not optimistic about i think he could be out for quite some time because that that injury was oh that was graphic yeah i I just 
I was one of the very few. I only seen the show like I just watched it three hours ago, and I'd been off social media for the last twenty four hours to avoid things, and mm-hmm. I only caught the fact of Dante Martin, Sid Vicious, and I'm like, oh, sh- where's this going with this? And I seen it, I'm like, I did not know the leg, the the ankle could do a three sixty, and I sent that to my fiance, and she's like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole match, I'm sitting there watching it, waiting for it, and then it was just in the most... Like, it was a big spot, but it was like... It was a big spot, but I did not expect for your ankle to snap in that spot. No. Versus everything else that could have gone wrong in that match. Um, They are... I want to know, who who did they piss off in another life to be cursed? Like... Top flat are so cursed. I'm curious, who did they piss off? Because I want to know who to not piss off to be cursed that bad. The only benefit I can see coming out of this is they might get sort of almost like the acclaimed pop when they come back and then like get pushed to the absolute moon. I could see that, but this is like the, what, fourth time it's happened for them? Like it's always been like... It's just always been the other way. It's like, Darius blew out his yeah. knee, was about to come back, had a car accident, came back, and now Dante's spun his foot around. Yeah, let's do a 360 on our foot, meat spin style. But yeah, that, that was like a spot that I instantly noticed too, because like when he went through those tables, he instantly like sat up and tried to walk away from it and like grabbed at his leg. And I was just like, oh no. <sighs> I saw it straight away. I was like, yeah. he didn't sell at all. He just instantly popped up like, oh shit, I got really bad hurt. Yeah, let's see if I can walk on this thing. Um, I've seen the alternative, like, the side views from, like, Twitter footage. And slow-mo. Not nice. Yeah, I'm like, cool. I didn't know your ankle could do that special feature. I It can't unless you snap it off. I'm just sitting there going, shit, did he just literally see Sid Vicious's injury and go, like, I will top that. I seen him at WrestleCon and I'm like, I'm going to top that. At least he did it from, like, a crazy spot. Sid just kind of did it jumping off a top rope. The middle rope big board and just decided to... Basic move. At least Dante's looked looked spectacular. Yeah, because it's even funny because, again, I seen I seen on Twitter, like, I ran because, like, you were sending me things on Twitter and I'd actually hit the refresh button and I'd said the Canadian Destroyer spot. I turned it off straight away. I'm like, okay, cool, there's Canadian Destroyer through the tables. I didn't know that connected straight into the other spot that happened during the match. And I'm like, what the fuck? The disappointing thing too is that has like overshadowed that entire match pretty much as well, which sucks for everyone yeah. involved in it because it was an epic match up until that point. Oh yeah, Aussie Open looks so fucking good in that match. Uh, and then the <laughs> other couple of big talking points coming out of that were Tony Khan's booking decisions in this. Like they were very... Very bold choices compared to what he typically does. Like, typically, he's pretty predictable. And mm. there were two or three major shocks on this show that I did not see coming at all. Pretty much the whole show, but for Kabashi, I did not see coming. Like, I thought there was going to be, again, another new champions all around. I thought Aussie Open would win because they are just everywhere this weekend. Like, in those tapings in the lead-up, they'd won all of their matches. Like, yeah. Like, oh, they got all the momentum. They have that New Japan partnership, so it makes sense, like, have those belts floating between the two companies, but, yeah. Yeah, I was very shocked by that, which, again, is good that 
he does not just make things predictable as AEW Tony Khan. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor Tony Khan is a whole different DLC character you have to download in my career. He doesn't play by the same rules, which, again, is good. I was for sure thinking Eddie Kingston would get the win, mm-hmm. but, yeah, it was, oh, okay, we are playing by the same rule book here. Yeah, there's, there's some craziness. And I think he said in, like, the, the post-match, like, the post-show press conference, like, because he doesn't have, like, the hard and fast, you need to produce exactly two hours of TV each week, like it's on on a club. Really no advertising commitments. There's no hard set time limits. He can be a little bit more loose and flexible with the, the stories and the booking that he goes with, which is exciting. Mm, exactly, which, which is good that, again, he is making things different than just Tony Khan, face wins, you know, feuds over sort of thing. But, yeah, I, I'm honestly excited to see where things go next with things and yeah uh ring of honor tony khan might actually give AEW tony khan a run for the money for booker of the year so like you said you only just watched it i imagine you haven't watched the pre-show and you didn't get to see the the big pop moment i didn't didn't get a chance to watch the pre-show no what oh with nigel mcginnis coming out as a surprise i guess nigel's return i flipped out and Karina was just like who is this guy i was like He's awesome. All I said was, oh, fuck, fuck me. I just listened to British accent for three <laughs> three weeks. I don't need to hear it again. That was my only reaction was, oh, man, again, more British accents. Can I please be left alone? I love Nigel. So I was, I was stoked to see him come back. He added so much. He's like such a great addition to that team. I was genuinely excited. Oh, he, he gives it a proper... You feel like this is a legitimate sport, legitimate event feel um, with him there. And it's funny because it plays into the fact of, like, I messaged you. I'm like, how crazy is it that Ring of Honor is the must-see show this Mania weekend Mm -hmm. and not NXT? Yeah. Like, NXT was always, like, when I went, like, five Manias in a row, NXT was always the must-buy ticket must see show this defines mania weekend and ring of honor was always the redhead stepchild of like yeah it was it was always the if if it's on at a good time yeah or you know like i said like ring of honor was always like an hour's drive out of the city and if you don't have a car bad luck so you'd go to nxt instead when ring of honor and nxt would always be on at the same time and like nxt is on its own time it's in the city and it blew uh, Ring of Honor was in the yeah. Ring of Honor was in the city, and it's on its own different time, and it blew everything away. The NXT was a oh yeah, that was on earlier this morning. What happened? And I just scrolled up through the messages that you sent me, going, okay, cool, sweet, whatever. I'm gonna make myself a cup of coffee. I only watched two matches on that pay per view. I watched the women's ladder match and Grayson, and then I was done. Why? Why did you see the Grayson match for? Why? What was that? This is my boy. You gotta watch Grayson. So yeah, and I think adding Nigel to that commentary team, it also gives it the legitimacy and like legacy status as well. Like, yeah. like he has history from basically day one of ROH, so good to have him there. Exactly. Like it was a major push. Some of his comments popped me as well. Like when he called Caprice a James Hunt, <laughs> I was like, Caprice does not understand what he just got called at all. <laughs> I did. Tell, I used to recognize. Like, I didn't think I was allowed to say a c word on this, but yes. <laughs> and then uh, he was taking a lot of shots at Brian Danielson as well. Like throughout the entire event, he just kept 
saying Brian Danielson, that clam digger. And I'm like, are they slowly planting the seeds for Nigel to come back and have one last match? Because if they're doing that, Brian has to be the guy. That is, if Brian was to come back for one ring of honor match, like he was like, hey, look, please, pretty, pretty, please. I think, I think we're getting Brian in a few more than one match in ring of honor. I think we're getting Brian and Shibata. But I think if Nigel comes back for like, here's my one last, I'm done after this match, retirement match in ring of honor, it has to be Brian, like with their history. Yeah, exactly that. That's why I was like, surely you're not going that way, but also at the same time, holy shit, they are going that way. If he'd only said it once, I'd have been like, oh, that's fair. That's just him drawing on that rivalry they had. But it was probably, what, four or five times throughout the entire show? Yeah. Yeah, there was enough subtleness, which, again, is Tony Khan's idea of, like, you make it subtle, the, the hardcores pick on it, and they will let everybody know that, you know, this thing is happening. And... Yeah, I'm very excited to see where things go because they didn't announce the next Royal Wanna pay per view at the end of the show. So it'll be interesting to see when the next show is. I guess now that they have weekly TV, they don't need to do, oh, we're coming back in July or June. Like they can build to that. Exactly. It's like, okay, very fluid. Okay, well, we've written four weeks of TV. It adds up to this date. Okay, we'll do it then. Versus, no, 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 we booked this six months ago to be this date. So, but yeah, Nigel versus Brian. Definitely excited to see where that goes to. Kabashi is pure heavyweight champion. He hasn't had a match. He's had more matches in Ring of in AEW than he has in New Japan. So Shibata called pretty much called out Brian too in the post match. Oh shit! Oh really? Like he basically said, "I'm winning this title now. It gets me one step closer to going against Brian Danielson." So wow. Okay. My thinking is, uh, death before dishonor ends up being. Claudio and Utah versus Shibata and Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yep. In like a tag match. And then final battle, Hammerstein Ballroom, Eddie versus Claudio rematch, Ryan versus Shibata. Definitely. That's all you need. You, you put those two matches on a card and you're selling out that venue and then have Eddie win the title in New York. Insanity. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Like, yeah, perfect end of, end of the show there. So... That's definitely where I've seen things. Like, I definitely see that tag match coming up as a big, big match in the future. And yeah, I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks where things are, in fact, going with them. And especially because, like, they're taping ROH alongside AEW this week in New York City. Oh, and really? Shibata, it's already confirmed, is going to be on those tapings, and as well as Vikingo as well, I believe. Oh, okay, cool. So Vikingo's on those, then comes down to Australia to this Moretti, and then it's probably back to the US to go, yeah. Yeah, huge for Moretti. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how old mate feels about the pressure of this match now with everything going on. Uh, and then also on the pre-show, we had a, a second return. The Righteous came back, Vincent and Dutch. Yep. Uh, and they have since called out the Dark Order for a match at an upcoming episode. Uh, and Takeshita and Willow also had a, they both had two really fun matches on the pre-show that were just crazy and drill. Like, did you see the, the news of the match that Takeshita was supposed to have on this pay-per-view though? I did see the news about him versus Osprey and wow, what an epic classic that would have been. What a missed match. 
What a missed match. The thing that gives me hope is that it will happen down the line. It's not like it's a, oh, it was supposed to happen and then just never happens. Again, this final battle at the Hammerstein Forum, which I would not be shocked if it, now that you said it does get announced at this pay-per-view, t- like the tapings. Um, yeah, it would be, yeah, Osprey is ready to go then. If they run final battle at Hammerstein, like that thing's going to sell out so fast. Yeah, no, they're definitely seeing as that was their trademark home for God knows how long. But yeah, that, that will be very interesting. Or the Melrose Ballroom, I think they used to run as well. Yeah. Our little mate, Lesh, would always talk about that, that venue and running and shooting that venue and that. And I'm like, yep, cool. So there's two venues I know in New York and that's you know, two of them when it comes to indie wrestling. I just know the Hammerstein is just like so iconic of a name with in conjunction with ROH, so. Yeah, every major moment has come from that venue, so definitely Tony Khan can afford to, you know, go, screw it, let's run it for a big show. And that'd be a place where, where too, if Brian was on that match, on that card, that would be one where I'd be like, fork out the money for Final Countdown, just one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one time only. If it costs us $100,000, it costs us $100,000. That would be one that would be like, what are flights to New York City and how much? That, that would be one that would be like, hmm, can I swing it? Can I convince my partner that this is a good idea? 100%. To go there for that. So, but yeah, no, it definitely be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah, it's got me super psyched for the future of Ring of Honor and so much that I'm like, do I want to subscribe to Honor Club now and check out these shows every week? Make them my Friday night watch? Yeah, no, it definitely has got me thinking, um, especially considering the backlog. Oh, yeah, it's Friday for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's never really anything to watch on Friday, so yeah, no, it definitely would be worth worth the watch. Considering, yeah, I'm trying to find, I've got to find out whether an honor club blocked at work or not, because <laughs> their their content filtering is all over the place. So I'll see whether I was blocked or not, and I'll probably subscribe and be like, ah, screw, I've got nothing else to watch at ten o'clock in the morning. Uh, so then on to the main card, kicking off with Vikingo versus Commander for the AAA Mega Championship. <laughs> What a ridiculous, high-flying amount of balance and agility from both of these men. They are freaks. I cannot believe that. Like, I, I actually watched that live um, because Tyler was like, hey, heads up, the match is happening now. And I'm like, right, I'll, I'll chuck it on. My partner's doing her makeup, and every 10 seconds I'm like slapping her in the chest i'm like watch this watch, watch this, this replay watch, watch this, this replay. look he's t- <laughs> i just like i'm trying to put my makeup on please stop slapping please stop slapping me in the chest to watch this thing and like yeah i don't know how to explain everything i've seen in that other than i am the table <laughs> that table did not want to break at all so like i wrote down like a few of the the spots that i was just like blew my mind first up was Vikingo going from the post to the second rope, doing a springboard implosion 450 to the floor. I was just like, yeah, I don't know how you didn't do how you did that and didn't kill yourself. Like that was insane. Yep. And then Commander doing the rope walk corkscrew moonsault to the floor and got like so high off the springboard. Oh, that was insanely high. And then. Them doing the rope walk Canadian destroyer. That was scary. I nearly broke my chair just bouncing up and down and out. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And again, my partner's looking at me going, 
why are you just like <laughs> losing every body function on yourself? And I'm like, watch, watch, watch. They do, they do flips. They do lots of flips. And then Viking go hit his trademark springboard 630 from the inside of the ring over the top rope to the floor with commander on a table. And then the table just was like not breaking, which probably made that way, way worse. That bounce off it. Um, I'd look forward to see what Matthew does on Botchamania to meet the living crap out of that. Yeah, what a, what an incredible match to start that show. Oh, so good. And then the, the last spot too was Commander's hitting hidden ace, which is like that corkscrew moonsault from the corner, which was, yeah again, like, I was like, how do you hit that and like hit it accurately and not like kill your opponent? Yeah, I, I was like, his head's right there. Your knees are within centimeters of his skull. How? How do you pull this off? Like, I've seen guys try to hit just straight up shooting stars or moonsaults and miss and hurt them, hurt their opponent. Like, he did crazy yeah. jumping high and corkscrew, ended up facing the other direction and landed it perfectly. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, that, that whole thing was just absolutely mental car crash of a match. And I'm just like, I'm going to see him soon down in the Burwood Club. Wow. <laughs> just incredible to you know just incredible talent he is and like this was his what third match fourth match or mania weekend already uh yeah so he had the he was on the memorial show like the super show yep and then straight across to ring of honor i think oh okay yeah i, th- I thought he done gcw stuff earlier in the day yeah possibly i can't remember but yeah, he he was busy on the weekend yeah, there's so much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't his first match and only match all weekend. And he went out there for like, what, 20 minutes and just went balls to the wall and going, showing this is what I can do. And he had a match on the taped Ring of Honor on Wednesday as well. Oh, mate, it was all over the place. So, perfect pay per view opener and like instantly got the crowd all hyped up. And yeah. Then we went into the six man tag team championships. The Embassy versus AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. The belts remained unchanged, which was kind of surprising considering they'd been changing all the others. So I was like, okay, can we get rid of the ugliest belts in the company? But nope, they've kept them. And I guess because they're silver, they just kept them on there. So that's fine. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by the ending of this, given the contract status of Brian Cage. So I imagine he has potentially re signed or. They're in the middle of some form of negotiation that's leaning towards him re-signing. Same, but also I wouldn't be shocked if he just drops the belts on a random television tapings as well. You know, like, especially considering it was a mismatched tag team, not a proper trios of sorts. Yeah, the embassy's kind of just weird. Yeah, no, I was... He doesn't fit in that group. Yeah, he, he's a mismatched guy in versus, like, AR Fox, Blake Christensen and... Metalik. That was also... That's also, like, a total mismatch group like yeah it's high flyers and all that stuff so yeah again that was a mismatch tag team so i was like i wasn't too shocked but also during all the contract talks i was like is he really gonna walk out of here with the tag titles i assume just because of that they were gonna put him on the other guys that they had signed long term yeah yeah we'll see just to you know protect themselves but yeah no look it was a solid trio's match like it was yeah there was a couple of cool spots from like fox and christian and but nothing overly spectacular. I think AR Fox has proven to be an incredible addition to the AEW slash ROH roster, though. Like, he's so good. Oh, yeah. He 
he's definitely earned his spot on the card as that guy that you can count on just to do flippy, flippy, flippy stuff. When he teams with top flight, when he teams with top flight, that's something special. That's such a cool, like, trios team. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which, yeah, it's sad that, yeah, yeah, one of those guys is out for mm-hmm. what could be several months. Because, yeah, again, I wasn't shocked if AR Fox had Top Flight come in and yeah. beat the Embassy and they held the Truro's belts for a while if they weren't winning the tag belts. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked now that their plans have changed. Yeah, definitely. Definitely going to have to work something out there. But, yeah, it was a solid match. It didn't really blow my socks off after, especially following the opener. Yeah. You really, yeah, just following that match, it was, you, there was not much you could do to follow it. Yeah, they're in, they're in a terrible spot. So then from there, we rolled on to the women's championship match, Athena versus Yuka Sakazaki. Love you, Yuka Sakazaki. Love her so much. Again, like we said, a slightly redesigned belt, basically just the same belt, but silver, which made it pop. I also liked the pre-video where... Athena was calling all of her challengers porcelain hussies. And then on her entrance, she's like destroying a porcelain doll. I was like, that's a cool little touch. That was nice. So they did like, again, they didn't do a huge special entrance. It was like a, no, 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 we're Ring of Honor. We don't have the, like the pyro and the, the option to have 20 people dressed up in porcelain dolls. He's just a single porcelain doll for you to punk the shit out of. Yeah. St- stomp on this, shatter it. Cool. Gets the, gets the point across. Exactly. Yeah. Her glitter body paint stuff was a bit weird. I didn't, it just was kind of there. It didn't like feel like it fit with her current character or her gear. It was just like, okay. Yeah. I'm here to beat the shit out of you, but here's some glitter to make myself look. Yeah. It was like a, yeah. All I can say, I was just, I was just happy you because Sakazaki was there. <laughs> Massive simp. Massive fan of hers. As you know, every time she's on screen, I'll bombard you with messages in a row going like, I'm so happy right now. But yeah, that was solid, solid match. Like they delivered so well in what they needed to there. So I love it was like the battle of power versus speed and Athena was basically just trying to brutalize her, but Yuka was just using her speed and flying around the ring. And ever since they sort of turned Athena into this evil heel character. She's been so much better. Oh, definitely. Like I said, just her doing the whole I'm here to beat the living shit out of people character, it just, it works so well for her because you believe that when she shows up to beat the shit out of someone, mm-hmm. she's going to do it. Um, And yeah, Yuka Sakazaki, she played the role perfectly in doing the whole speed versus, you know, strength. And yeah, everything played perfectly in that match to set up Athena as this beast in the tag division. And I love that that whole like character switch for her pretty much came from her having a dark match against some rookie and people thought that she was hitting it too hard. Yeah. So instead of like, they just doubled down on it and were like, okay, yeah, we're just going to absolutely have you just destroy people now. Yeah, everyone got like so outraged by it, but it's like, She's just doing her new character here. What are you getting so upset about? So, yeah, I, I love the direction they're taking her. I, lo- I love that match. It was a solid, solid match. D- again, it just delivers on the Ring of Honor of philosophy or just bangers the whole way through. Yeah, I thought they were, like, they were losing the crowd a little bit in the early stages of that match. I think, like, starting so high, the crowd was, like, they kind of burned themselves out a little bit quickly. So they were coming down, but then mm. there was a moment where Yuka started hitting some like 
stiff looking forearms and the crowd came right back into it at that moment. Yeah. Athena hit the O face while Yuka was on the top rope and that ended the match. That was, that was a cool finish. That was actually, yeah, just out of nowhere, bang. I'm like, wait, what? The match is over? But yeah, per- perfect ending for that. And have you seen the little breaking story that's come out in the day after the pay-per-view of who was sitting front row on the opposite side of the, the hard cam side? I did see Trinity was sitting there watching the whole match and that, which was very interesting. Especially the way she was acting. That wasn't, that was not a, a friend supporting a friend type look on her face. That was a, we're setting up something here. Yeah. But they didn't film it to be like every 30 seconds of like, look, 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 look. They didn't do the NXT, here's a free agent in the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> which is so wild that, yeah, the, the difference between the two of main weekend, it was always, look, look, look who we have here. And like, Ring of Honor's like, we're just going to let our fans do the free publicity for us. We're not even going to bother publicizing this. Um, yeah, that, that will be very interesting. I assume during the upcoming set of tapings, we might get like a, or look who was in the crowd, like clip type thing or a backstage segment. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that's the direction they're heading in that because, yeah, she was she was booing the crap out of Athena during that match, which isn't really what you would expect someone to do if they were there just supporting their friend. Exactly that. Like, I, I don't know if it's public knowledge about those two being friends. Like, yeah, every wrestling friendship is, like, very common knowledge of, like, such and such is friends with such and such and all this stuff. There. Like, I've never seen anyone remind me every 30 seconds of those two being friends. Yeah. So... Yeah, it will be interesting to see where this plays out. Yeah, I just saw the news reports being like, oh, uh, Trinity was backstage at Ring of Honor. And then, yeah, today someone posted a video like, she wasn't backstage. She was front and center booing the crap out of her. So, right there. That'd be a cool match if they go, if that's the direction they're going for the next pay per view or next title defense. Definitely considering she hasn't done any matches anywhere else. So if the injury to see her first ever match back is for the Ring of Honor like women's title, not a bad comeback. Athena's defending the title at the upcoming taping as well against Mayu Yamashita that went against Shazza. Oh yeah, yeah. May maybe something hap maybe something happening after that match. Yeah, no, well considering it's in New York, like that 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 New York show is going to be like off the rails. Like I I am I am very sure me and you are going to be messaging a lot throughout that whole show of the most minutest details of like, did you see this? Um, yeah, that is going to be very interesting to see how that, especially doing Ring of Honor taping beforehand, very, very, very interesting to see where things go from there. I'll be interested to see how often they do that, like tape, instead of taping Dark or Rampage or something, they're going to do ROH tapings. I, I, I believe it should be before the show like you can't do a block taping and then expect fans to give a shit you know for the the show at least doing a block taping it's kind of like rampage versus like i suspect it'll depend on how many live rampages they are because if they're if rampage isn't live they're gonna have to tape that wednesdays mm. but like this week this week coming rampage is live because battle of the belts is on as well so they have they have that pre-show, post-show dynamite to fill, so ROH there instead. And then in between, when they don't, when they don't have that opening, then they'll do like a, we'll tape two episodes at Universal or something. 
Yeah, because it, it gives a very different look to having like fifteen to twenty thousand, like fifteen, ten to fifteen thousand fans in the crowd, versus Universe Studios, which is it's cool and all, but it doesn't look as good as you know ten to fifteen to you know thousand fans in the crowd for a taping. The way they set up Universal for ROH was really cool though. They had like gigantic LED screens. They had a big LED screen up above the audience and everything as well. Like it looked legitimate. Oh, really? like a, basically a shrunk down arena rather than we're in a studio taping. Uh, okay, yeah, because all I can remember is just going that one impact taping. Oh, it looked it looked a thousand times better than that, trust me. <laughs> that, that's all I'm thinking of is like that one impact taping we went just like 10 years ago and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. This feels so povo. Fun. I'm going to go <laughs> ride Rip Rock and Roller Coaster instead. Bye. Or the Mummy Ride, which is just absolutely incredible. Then we rolled into... The most emotional match of the the pay per view, TV Championship, Samoa Joe versus Mark Briscoe. <sighs> Again, title belt unchanged, but like I said, perhaps to differentiate it. What did you think of this match and Mark being this just being a crazy emotional match? Yeah, yeah. As much as I'd love to bullshit through it, I was like, shit, this is heavy. This is. You know, not what I expect when I'm watching grown men and women play fighting in their underwear. This is like, shit, I should save every day of my life that I have. Which, again, is not something you should be thinking when you're switching your brain off towards grown men play fighting. Yeah, like him coming out, hugging his kids and everything like that. The fact that the commentators are, like, using his shoot name or shoot last name and that, it was just like... He's carrying the old tag titles for the last time. Yeah, that, oh my God, that, 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 that line, that line just was like, okay, I'm going to go get myself another beer and just try and compose myself at this point. Cause, um, yeah, those lines definitely was like, shit, he's not here anymore. Never, you know, never knew the guy personally or anything like that, but it was like. Been watching them for 15, 20 years. Yeah, and it's like, holy shit. And, like, you could tell the fact Joe broke character at the end of that and shook his hand and you could tell it wasn't the character shaking his hand and being, like, good match. It was, like, him just, like, no, 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 screw character bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, I'm a, like, we're, we're mates. This is this is a heavy moment for both of us. It was heavy. It was very fucking heavy. There was, like, two moments in particular that really hit me. The moment when Mark was crawling for the like the hot tag. I was like, seriously, we're going to do this? That sucked. And then yeah. afterwards when his entire family were just bawling their eyes out as he was hugging them afterwards, I was like, God damn it, guys. I forgot about that hot tag moment because like, I was just like the moment when they're like, he has a tag, but it's the last ever time. And I'm like, shit, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's true. And, you know, he came up short, which... It sucked. They came up short and, you know, but it was like, okay, at least they're not, you know, playing off the fact that, well, your brother's died. Here's a, here's a belt to make you feel better. It was a... I was still totally shocked by that ending. Leading into this, I was like, 100%, like, I'm almost certain Mark is winning this match. And then, then when they showed his kid, all of his kids ringside, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. He has to win. Same. I, I, I was convinced and then like, nope, we'll swerve expectations a little bit. And I'm like, Okay, it kind of sucks a little bit, but at least it's not a pity title reign. And it also makes sense too, like, he's been a tag guy so long. Like, yes, he had a little, like, singles run when he was going against Jay for a little while, 
but he they've always been the tag guys and especially recently they've been tag guys they haven't had singles runs exactly jay was a singles guy mark was just you know the tag guy so it you know it it really punched you know a lot of weight in that match and then at the end of the tag match, when he came out again with the t- the old tag belts being like, yeah, like passing passing the torch. Well, these belts are gone. Yeah, it's like shit. And the the crowd was like so behind him too. They like everyone wanted him to win this match. So yeah, when there was that that ending, it was just like, well, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. The second he hit that clutch and he was like down on the mat, I'm like, holy shit, they're actually not going to do the whole you know, sympathy title run. Oh, wow, this is this is different. And, like, when he hit the, the froggy bow and then Joe kicked out at, like, 2.9, everyone was like, what the hell is going on? Like, everybody thought that was the moment, I think. Exactly that. So, I don't know, like, solid, solid match. Like, they, they told a very emotional story and they definitely delivered on that one. Neither of them held back. Like, some of those chops were sickening. They belted each other hard. I was like, oh, my God. Boy, they really knew how to lay them in. That was like, okay, cool. We're getting our second gear now, and we're going hard. So, no, just unbelievable match. One thing that pulled me out of that match was the damn ring squeaking. Did you notice that? I didn't. Don't think I heard it as much. Uh, there was, like, a rope or something that must have, like, come loose at some point. Like, every time they hit it, it was like, like, oh, God, that's really off-putting. And then they fixed it after this match. So I was like, ah, thank God. I can't say I remember hearing that. But again, um, I've heard my fair share of a very squeaky, very, how is this ring be allowed to be used? <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know you know the squeak that I'm talking about. Like, it's just... <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of examples I can think of. But, um, yeah, I, I think I was more wrapped up in the whole emotion of everything of, like, try not to cry during all this that um yeah the squeakiness was probably past my mind at that point and then with the result where do we go from here with both of these guys like do they now slowly push mark towards the world title if you can't win the tv title why would you go after the world title i mean the yang sort of thing there like and maybe he just works his way back to getting a, a rematch or something that's the thing, like, Tony Khan's booking, it's always been, like, you fail first, but you win at the second time. When he's had a bit more experience as a singles guy, because he has said that he will not work any more straight-up tag matches, like, he's only ever going to work singles or multi-men. Yeah, which is completely fair. Like, again, Delaware was a huge ring of honor hotbed, so you would like to think that they would just run over a lot of show in Delaware because that was yep. huge for them back in the day. Death Before Dishonor run that like down there somewhere. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked again if it's like, okay, well, we're just going to run a show in six months, like in four months or whatever in Delaware because we want to differentiate the two brands. Okay, Mark, you could win the belt here. You know what I mean? Like, again, that's very... Very also Tony Khan's booking, like the whole Darby Allen randomly winning the you know, TNT title yeah, in Seattle and losing it back to only then to lose it back to Wardlow. So, yeah, and again, like Joe, yeah, Joe's just doing his own thing. So, yeah, I, I don't know where they go from here. It's, it, it'd be very interesting to see what's next. 
then we went to Tanahashi versus Daniel Garcia. I loved Garcia's like new hip hop theme. That's very cool and fitting for him. Yeah, very fitting for his new sort of sports entertainment gimmick. What an opportunity for him to be placed in a match against Hiroshi Tanahashi on WrestleMania weekend when there's hardcore wrestling fans everywhere. That is a definition of Supercard of Honor is you going, wait, what, Daniel Garcia versus Tanahashi? What the f- What? Yeah, I imagine this spot was supposed to be Takeshita Will. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Again, which would be a, wait, what? That match is happening. Um, and then the injury, Tanahashi got, was Will's replacement for the Impact show, so it was an easy, quick pop this guy in here. Yeah, ex- exactly. And again, it served its, it served its match so freaking well. Garcia got to really shine. Tanahashi just was Tanahashi. He showed up. He had his uh, magnificent hair on display. So Missing a few teeth, though. Apparently lost those in the Impact show earlier in the day. I see, that does not surprise me for Mania Weekend. He's all, he, he had the old Mark Briscoe missing front teeth situation going on. <laughs> Paying tribute to, to Mark with the missing teeth. Yeah, that does not surprise me at all. I cannot believe someone would damage the most beautiful man in professional wrestling today. Garcia and Yuta both, like, in these two big spots that they were put in against legendary Japanese wrestlers, they both stepped up and did an amazing job in their spots. Beyond wild to think that, like, what was it, mid-2021, they did that one-hour draw Iron Man match or the two-hour, I think it was two hours. So it was a one, like, yeah. it was just stupidly long match. And then they got, they had the, that random match on Dynamite. And it's accommodated to one versus Shibata for the pure title, the other one versus Tanahashi. It is the most, like, that is old school Ring of Honor sort of, like. Yeah, like, he's a young guy getting to showcase his skills. And I love that they've kind of switched characters too. Like, now Yuta is the, the badass that's just destroying people and, like, trying to kill people. Whereas Garcia is, he's hitting some top-tier sports entertainment with his little salsa dance that pops me every time. I love that salsa dance that he does. Those those good old leather pants as well. Like, they, they are A class. Yeah, the salsa dance in the leather pants. It's like, yes, so good. Yeah, and that's exactly, like, you had a pure sports entertainer. Versing Tanahashi on Mania Weekend at Super Kind of Honor is just... It's like, what is happening? What? And again, the match, the match delivered. Like, it was... You know, Garcia, even though he lost, he really did get to shine as, you know, someone that is the future of Ring of Honor and AEW. I love that he hit the uh, the Shinsuke taunt as well and just got booed out of the building when he hit that too. Oh, unbelievable. He he, he made sure he, he knew what crowd he was playing to with pissing them right off. You're a wrestler chance. Always get me as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised they're still going. Everyone loves to remind me that you yep. are a wrestler after all, not a sports entertainer. Yeah, like you said, he got to showcase it and prove that, yeah, I belong at the top of the AEW or ROH card for the years to come. Hmm. It's not unbelievable to say within a year that it's him versus him and you, Wheeler Yuta for the mm-hmm. Ring of Honor title. Is, is not the most outlandish claim in a year's time. Not talking five years or whatever, in a year's time. Even in AEW, those first four guys that won the, the world title that was 
spoiled in the very first post of AEW that was ever put out. Mm. And then you've got the the next tier, which are the four pillars that we're looking like we're building to a match between them. And then I think you've got the tier down, which is like your Ricky Starks, your Daniel Garcias, your Yudas, and your Takeshtas are like the following four guys. Yeah, Takeshta is, yeah. Yeah, and like, again, like, I would not like, Ring of Honor is that stepping stone. It is, okay, you're Ring of Honor champion, cool, sweet, time to use that to jump into the top main event, main event, and not be Mm -hmm. Jericho's job guy. Yeah, it's interesting to see that they have definitely set themselves up for the future extremely well. And yeah, those two went from fighting each other on last pay-per-view to fighting two of the biggest legends in New Japan currently active. Uh, And then we went over to the second most emotional match of the pay-per-view, the Reach for the Sky ladder match. Oh boy. Like I said earlier, was overshadowed by the Dante injury, but there were some crazy spots in this match and some awesome sequences too. Like there were sequences between Aussie Open and the Lucha Bros that made me want so much more of that combination. Uh, There was couple of spots between Aussie mm. Open and Top Flight, which I really want more of as well at some point down the line. The Kingdom. I think the Kingdom have a big gripe with Aussie Open coming out of this match with the, the pile drivers on the stage. Yeah, yep. Where they bust themselves right open with. Yeah, so there's there's some cool cool potential feuds coming out of this match as well. I would almost think that you're almost an Aussie Open fan with uh, the opening so far. About talking about Aussie Open a lot. Um, I almost think you're someone from Sydney, Brisbane area. They totally carried that match. Like Lucha Bros didn't really have all that many spots, and then the one spot they had is forgotten because Dante got destroyed. I would say it's very. At least that spot will be remembered for years to come. Yeah, but it won't be shown ever again. Just not for the right reason. The whole match was absolutely incredible. Definitely was very emotional at the end when um, FTR come out, like, mm. completely out of character. And and again, that is... The tribute spot. Yeah, the one thing I love about Ring of Honor in AEW as a whole is, like, yes, okay, obviously everyone has to be in character. Not all the time. There are There are moments where we can get rid of it. Exactly. And this is one of those points where, like, FTR come out. You know, they they had no reason to come out for that. And then, you know, Mark Briscoe comes out and with the old tag belts. Mm-hmm. Last time we'll ever see those belts ever again. And, yeah, like, the whole ladder match was just incredible five-way clusterfuck. Get your shit in and go. And I will never not pop for the Coriolis effect by the Aussie Open because it is... It is A, a cool move, and probably, and also B, a reference to the greatest Simpsons episode ever <laughs> with Bard versus Australia. That is hardcore Simpsons shit posting on another level of calling your finisher based on the premise of a Simpsons episode that Australians know word for word of. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. Everybody got their shit in, you know, and yeah, it, it was insane. I liked the like tiny tribute that the kingdom gave to the Briscoes as well when they hit that suicide dive doomsday device, which Oh that, yeah. That was terrifying. That was the first big spot where I was like, oh Jesus. Yeah, and that was when you're like, okay, cool. Someone's not walking out of this match. Um and 
Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that was the case with with it. But yeah, that was incredible. The commentators made sure like that was a tribute to the Briscoes. Like it is one of those sad things of you are reminded, oh shit, we're never getting the Briscoes versus Aussie Open. We're mm-hmm. never getting the Briscoes versus Luchos. Like that was the depressing part of it. Of there should have been a sixth team in this match. Yep, and there wasn't. You know what I mean? Because, like, whoever does a five-way ladder match, like, you never see a five-way. It's always a six-way. So it, that was the missing six-team, and it was very, oh, shit. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. And unfortunate for Dante Martin, he's now on the shelf again. A couple of the other, like, crazy spots I wrote down were Aussie Open hitting their uh, running squishy thing, but using ladders instead of their opponents, like... Usually they hold their opponents and like run around the ring and run into each other. Oh, yeah. Except this time they held ladders and ran into someone. I was like, that's a cool spot. Yeah. Love that ladders look like something out of the No Mercy video game. Uh, And then Top Flight had that crazy uh, ladder climb assist where they kind of like Darius slingshot Dante up to it. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Canadian destroyer off the ladder bridge was just sickening. Yeah, and I was like, uh, how did you manage to... It was a, okay, I expect you to break your neck during that, not your foot. It looked like the maybe the tables were just too close to the ring, like they needed to be further out, but I guess they also didn't want to have them too far out and then fall through the gap. Like They probably should have just did three lots of tables just to have that safety barrier of... Yeah. And then I was also thinking during the match, Top Flight must be sick of Aussie teams after this week because they had some battles with Aussie Open in this match and they battled Velocities earlier in the week. Yeah. It's like, like, get these Aussies away from us. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, I'm sick of you guys and your weird accents. Please stop and go away. The lack of shillies on this show was depressing, but we didn't have an Aussie winner, so... I'm sure if Aussie Open won, we probably would have got one of those. That, that That is why, you know what I mean? Like, you need to reach up to your mate TK and be like... Where is the, like, why is there no shield on this show? <laughs> Australia is not impressed. And, yeah, Lucha Bros won, but this was one of those weird matches where I would have been happy with anybody winning in this match. Like, all of those teams would have been fine for me. For oh, anybody. yeah. Even the Kingdom. Yeah. In the lead-up to this, the Kingdom were kind of just there, but the more I thought about it, I was like, no, they kind of deserve it. They're, like, long-time ROH guys. They had long, ba- long battles with the Briscoes, so I would have been happy with them winning as well. Yeah, that's I thought Lucha, Lucha Bros were only enough to add add that draw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you have to sell out a stadium, like or whatever. You know what I mean? It's the oh, you know who Aussie Open is? Well, you know who the Lucha Bros are. So okay, we'll come for Lucha Bros. And like uh, Tyler was telling me this really wild story of he because he went to a toilet during the AEW uh, Dynamite after Double mm-hmm. or Nothing during the MJF promo. What a terrible time to go to the toilet. Ask him about that. And he's still <laughs> talking to this day about it. And he recalled this, uh, these two Hispanic guys were like, when's, when's um, Lucha Bros on the show? And someone said, oh, yeah, they were on the dark taping before the show. And like, oh, cool. Screw this. Out. And they just walked out of the building. They didn't give a sh- They just didn't care. They wanted to see Aussie open. I mean, the Lucha, Lucha Bros. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, so again, I would be shocked if in LA with, you know, such a huge Hispanic audience that 
they came for the they came for the Lucha Bros, and mm-hmm. no, they came for the Lucha. Like, they left after yeah. their match was on. All right, cool, sweet, we're done. We don't give a shit about the rest of the show. So they got their Lucha opening, and then they got their Lucha Bros in this match. So they were stoked. That's it. Like that's why I thought they were in the match. I didn't think they were there to win. I just thought they were there to mm-hmm. you know get those extra couple of hundred seat sales. Good on them for winning. Um, I uh, you know I guess it means they're off AEW TV. I, as best as I kind of hope they are, so you don't have the whole oh regular champions on AEW TV every week sort of. Well, I guess they're not really in the title hunt in AEW at the moment, so it, it's a good way to sort of get them off TV, but still have them working consistently. So, and it gives ROH a bit more like name value with their champions as well, like big star power. Yeah. And then speaking of star power, the pure title. Willa Yuta versus Katsuyori Shibata making his return essentially to full-on in-ring action after a couple of like exhibition pancrase style matches and they also added Mox to Yuta's entrance for this to add just yeah. a little bit more star power which was like oh okay yeah they loaded that up that was a okay how do we overbook this in terms of star power and they delivered I was surprised Mox was there and also super surprised that he didn't end up getting involved in the match at all. He was just there supporting. I'm surprised Mox was on like AEW slash Ring of Honor and was not bleeding. Like I was convinced at one point in his contract it was... A stiff breeze would make that guy bleed. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like the old, you know, whenever Poochie's not on screen, everyone must be asking, where's Poochie? Whenever Mox is on screen, he must be bleeding. Everyone must be like, why is he not bleeding? Oh, he's bleeding now. Cool. We're happy. But yeah, it was good that he's stepping into that regal role of mentoring uh, of mentoring the you know the younger talent there. So it is good in that aspect that you know he has filled in for Regal pretty well since he left. Mox didn't bleed all weekend. Oh shit! He didn't bleed on Bloodsport. The one comp, the one yeah, one was called literally called Bloodsport. And was he on a GCW show? I don't think he bled on any GCW shows. No, I don't think he's on. Don't think he's allowed to appear for the drama going on there. Huh, he didn't bleed at all this weekend. That's weird. Renee's got to be happy. The hotel's got to be stoked. Yeah, that's it. It's like, yay, finally the, the best sheets won't get... <laughs> finally, for once, I don't have to pay the cleaning fee. Fuck. Yeah, that must be the longest I expect on this week's Dynamite for him to bleed triple to make up for it. Uh, what did you think of Pat Buck, Madison Rain, and Christopher Daniels as the acting pure title judges as well loved it loved it good combination of guests like it will be interesting to see when a pure match actually does go to you know the judges decisions especially because yeah they they pin they always showcase like here are the judges so like they're planting that seed that like eventually one day Mm. we're going to go to a judge's score Exactly that, and I'm glad that they, they're building to it. It's not just the first pure match. Here we go, judge's decision. Like, even with AEW, they always talked about the time limits and the DQs, and it took ages before mm. we got a time limit draw, a countout, or a DQ. Like, there was months before we got one of those, so I'm thinking maybe if we do Shibata and Danielson, that'll be the one that goes to judges or something. I would not be shocked if they just announce it for a random show and it goes to that and then it leads to a proper final battle, you know what I mean? No judges. Just someone wins. No time limit. Good good diversity in the judges there. Pat Buck is always uh, fun to see on TV. Also fun to see it 
house shows as well, apparently. Yeah, that was, yeah, I, I loved his little outfit. It was like, that is amazing gear. Yeah. In terms of the Yuda Shibata match, I loved that in all the pre-taped episodes, they were talking about how every time Yuda had a match, he was using the rules against his opponent who wasn't as familiar with these rules in terms of he would put people on submissions, but like intentionally do it or move them close to the ropes so that they would expire all their rope breaks. Mm. And then during this match, Shibata was doing that to him, Mm. like intentionally holding him in submissions that early in the match, they were never going to win it, but he was close enough to make the rope break. And yeah, he was, he was expiring those rope breaks pretty quickly and was eventually forced into using strikes, which just did nothing. Yeah, didn't he get um, disqualified or points taken off him for using an open hand strike or whatever as well at one point in the match? Yeah, so he was he was striking and it was doing nothing like Shibata was doing. Classic Shibata just standing there looking at him like, that's shit, do, do better. So then he like full on just closed fist punched him in the face. Mm. And then while the ref was off like explaining that to the the judges and the timekeeper and stuff, he hit a low blow. So 100% Willa Yuta heel turn solidified. The whole BCC now is 1000% heel. There's no, we're kind of in between. We just like hurting people. Like, no, now we're just like destroying people. Everyone has had their chance to solidify that, yes, I am the bad guy in this feud. Deal with it. And then the outcome, Katsuyo Shibata taking the title and becoming the new pure champion. I was stunned by that decision. I did not see that. I thought this was like Yuta's crowning moment of, look, I can beat the top guys. I thought this was going to be like a time limit draw or some, you know, we've got to get find our way out of it drama. And no, Shibata won. Shibata's champion. Shibata's going to be around for a bit longer. And it was like, a, oh shit, they're doing it. They're... Shibata's getting a better run in, uh, you know, AEW than he did than he's getting at the moment in New Japan where he's doing nothing, so... He's kind of just the dojo guy. Yeah, so um, I'm all for it. I'm all for hoping he comes down to Australia soon. Uh, if they want to send him in and around everywhere else other than Japan. Send him to a Tamashi show with the pure title, maybe? I, I'm more than happy. I'm sure there's a little bird brain friend of yours that would be... Happy to go for a pure title match. Um, well, he he was owed one from Utah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that little uh, you know little bird brains would be happy to have a good chance in his uh, hometown of uh, Sydney around there. I, I wouldn't be against seeing that. I might actually have to get in my little green Mazda two and drive up to see bird brains get his head kicked in. I'd be happy to see that. I loved the uh, streamers' a celebration too from the crowd as well. It was like. That's classic ROH. That's perfect. So good. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. That that is. That's kind of what was missing on Mania. At the end of the show was the streamers because they just kept talking about how it's indie, 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 indie. Um, and I'm glad they finally had your streamers back for the the right moments. Towards the end of like ROH, just before like the pandemic and stuff, the streamers were getting a little bit out of hand. Like we were getting streamers in every match for just like random dudes. I was like, okay. A little bit excessive. You're not from this country? Here's the streamers. Even just like lower card dudes were getting streamers. Like, no, let's reserve those for the legends. And, and, and like, I, I still remember that, um, like, 
pe- people had to like be told this is how you properly throw your streamers. Please do not throw a, a complete ball of streamers at their heads. Unroll them a little bit first. Don't just drill full streamers of people. I, I am responsible for organizing a streamer party once. So, whoops. The uh, the G3 final three guys in Sydney. I may have been responsible for arranging that streamer party. Whoops. And like I said, in the, the post-match, post-show press conference, Shibata said, yeah, winning this title gets him one step closer to Danielson. So, yeah, I can see maybe Yuta gets a rematch, fails again. And like Shabata like brutalizes him or something, and Brian comes in and is like, "Hey, stop beating up my kid." And see, that's the thing. Like Moxley was the one out there, which makes me think maybe they're going Moxley next. Like if Brian was in the corner, and maybe they just do. They send Yuta out again, but he asks Brian to second him this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like again, you do that at a bigger Ring of Honor show. Like again, if they were to do one at Delaware, it's like, hey, look, we're just doing a special live. Ring of Honor taping, not a pay-per-view, just a live show, and Brian happens to be there. That would be incredible to set things up. And then finally into the main event, the world title, Claudio Castagnoli defending against Eddie Kingston. I loved the hype package we got before this. Like mm? Not crazy long, but enough of like going through their entire backstory, which dates all the way back to Chikara, and they used that Chikara footage as well, which I thought was fantastic oh yeah absolutely incredible there like they really paid on the history of that feud especially like with the tape library that they now have like and the sort of relationships they have with chikara and everything like between the roh archival footage and chikara like they have footage on every major star like even watching wrestlemania today it's just like roh guy roh guy roh guy where's the sammy and kevin owens being attacked him against the briscoes when just a sidebar, like, that was emotional oh when, like, God. Owens in the post-show conference going, like, oh, boy, like, you know, how he, yeah, he, the shout-out to Jay Briscoe, just, it, it goes to show how much he meant to everybody. And Did you hear Mark's uh, press conference comments about Jay as well? No, I didn't, no. Someone, someone asked him how he felt about it, and uh, he basically said, uh, I'm feeling pretty good, but today I wrestled uh, Samoa Joe and Jay wrestled Eddie Guerrero, so I think he's happier. <laughs> so it's like, Jesus, man. Fuck. Full on shit. Like, it was bad enough that Eddie Guerrero thing got me. Like, when that thing's on, I'm like, okay, cool. Not So yeah, Ring of Honor made a fan just because, yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, Ed Kingston coming back from COVID as well was, you know, he did a good showing there as well. Yeah, I thought this match was awesome. Like, they started with, like, crazy vicious strikes, and then we saw Eddie targeting the leg, which I thought was really cool. Like, it played into that history where Eddie was trying to prove that, no, I'm actually a technical wrestler, I'm not just a brawler. And it worked because it prevented Claudio later in the match from being able to use the giant swing. Very well done. Like, the storytelling in this match was crazy. Crazy well done, and the crowd was the crowd was split early too. Definitely, and because like, of the story that they told, we saw them eventually. They turned on Claudio, and they were fully behind Eddie winning, mm. especially when he he kicked out at like one. Fully behind Eddie, yeah. Everyone was like, "Eddie's winning, surely." And again, it was no. This is not AEW booking, right? This is Ring of Honor booking, where 
yeah, Claudio got the win in the end of it, and yeah, it's, it's, it definitely was a it was a clean win, but it wasn't enough to make you think, okay, this is one and done, finish sort of thing. So, especially because yeah, we saw Claudio, he was leaning into that heel aspect as well, like he hit that gut wrench suplex from the apron to the floor. Oh, that was brutal. And then he was using the guardrail as a weapon on the floor as well. And I was like, okay. And then the victory was just like a sudden counter to a roll-up. And then he got the victory. So I was like, I can definitely see this continuing. And the way that Yuta and Claudio were circling around Eddie, basically preparing to jump him in the post-match before Shibata made that save. I was like, okay, yeah, they're definitely continuing this story in some form or fashion as well. Yeah, Shibata just casually coming out to be like... He didn't even do anything. He just walked out and was like... Yeah, no, I'm not finished with you. I'm here to say that. I'm right here. Don't do shit. You want to go? I wouldn't fight you. The idea of, yeah, Claudio versus Shibata is like, uh, what? That that That's an option. So, yeah, they, they definitely have a lot of tricks up their sleeve going forward to what they want to pull off. And did you uh, watch and see Eddie's... Uh, comments on the microphone afterwards as well. I heard him say every swear word you could possibly say with the 30 seconds he had left. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me I got four minutes. I'm just going to say every swear word in the book and they can't fire me. I've got 40 seconds. <laughs> Here we go. Every swear word. I'm not going anywhere. All the reports of me leaving are bullshit. Here's every swear word. And then, yeah, basically he said that He's not done with Audi- with Claudio and he's going to beat his effing ass. So, like, we're, we're definitely getting this story continuing along the way. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly that. And it, it's good because that and Eddie just proved that Eddie's always going to be Eddie. No, no matter what, he's going to find a way to swear. Yeah, like I said, with them taping Ring of Honor alongside Dynamite in New York this week, I can see Eddie getting some crazy crowd reactions there and... Hopefully this sort of carries on and we get late, maybe like in December when they usually run Final Battle, Eddie versus Claudio rematch, Hammerstein Ballroom, Eddie finally gets his big win at home. Like I can imagine just the crowd pop at that moment. Absolutely bonkers. Because don't they normally want to show in July-ish? Death Before Dishonor is usually mid-year and then Final Battle is the end of the year. Because Death Before Dishonor is one they usually run at the Hammerstein Ballroom as well, like, from memory. No, Death Before Dishonor is, like, generally all over the place. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I know sometimes I used to run at Sam's Town and that, yeah. Final Battle was always Hammerstein. It was always the New York end of year Christmas one. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yeah. Because that was always the biggest show of the year to always go see, and just that's where they just went all out with. I'm excited for the future of ROH and we'll definitely be checking out the weekly show. Oh, yeah. So as we close out, what would you pick as your match of the night? I'd have to say I, I'm always sucker for a good ladder match, like a, a good multi-team clusterfuck bang, 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 bang ladder match is always my favorite. You know what I mean? That's, that's always hard. But that opening match was just absolutely off the wall insane. It could come down to one of those two, but like again, I, I'm a sucker for a ladder match. I love a good ladder match. You know what I mean? Like it's—I have to say that yeah. that ladder match is match of the night for myself. Even though that, that, even though that opener was just absolutely incredible. It was three matches on this card where I was like, these could easily be match of the night depending on what you're after. Like if you're after crazy lucha action, 
obviously the opener is off the chain and there's there's moves there that you won't see anyone else hit in a long time oh yeah if you want a crazy emotional storytelling match joe versus mark and then if you want the crazy spots then the ladder match but be prepared for some gruesome gruesome stuff yeah exactly exactly like it is probably one of the hardest shows to say what is the match of the night because like i said that that opening match is just so incredible and like every match like even the matches that weren't the greatest they serve the point of okay cool i'm allowed to have a quick breather to run to the toilet and you know do the things i need to do around you know between matches sort of thing there versus cool i can't move it wasn't three hours of just every match topping it and getting crazy like it did flow nicely which was nice Exactly that. So yeah, I'd, I'd lock in the line of match for my match of the night. In terms of an overall show rating, where would you drop this one? I'd give it a four point five. Like it was a solid show all around, sort of thing. There, like I said, it wouldn't be. Like, it was probably the best show of Mania weekend. I've heard the supercar, the super show was awesome, but I haven't seen it. So yeah, so I haven't said like it's also one of like main. I watched Mania. I absolutely loved it. I sat there and I'm like, I want to go back to Mania, but Mania is Mania. You, no one competes with Mania on that aspect but that's a sports entertainment good show for wrestler wrestling standpoint the ring of honor show absolutely smashes i'd say it's a solid four point five. like realistic outside of the six man tag match none of the, none of the matches i would say is a skip like just don't even bother about it. like if i was messaging my other mate and going like hey look you got two hours to watch a show just skip this yeah you know, i'd say everything was worth a solid watch just with that six-man tag being a bit of a breather to compose yourself a little bit. Yeah, I, I gave this one a four, and I kind of only said that because the two, like, big shock, re- like, surprise return type things that you would usually see on, on the pay-per-view happened on the pre-show, which was a bit weird. Mm. Even if Nigel, like, his appearance was before the opening match, play the, the opening video, do, like, the, the little... I, don't, I can't remember if they had, like, opening pyro or anything, but, like... Do the introduction to the show and then have Nigel come out. Like that first music hit is is Nigel. Like I think that would have just bumped it up a little bit for me. Yeah, like that, that's the thing. Like overall, absolutely fantastic show. There's really no negative shit to say about it. Apart from Dante's injury. That's easily the big negative from the show, but that's just shit happens. Yeah, it's more of a, you know, when you go through your wrestling lineups, you don't normally write down Guy's ankle decided to do a 360. Not a normal thing to write down in your post-match reviews of the shows. Nobody got injured, so this match, this show sucked. Yeah, it's exactly that. That's uh, our review of ROH Supercard of Honor 2023. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Wookie with two E's. And you can follow me on social media at Jamieups Media and at Pario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.